Hello, and welcome to Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. On this week's design discussion, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will discuss a board game and have a related design discussion. Hi, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Co-OpCast. Yes, and today we're going to be talking about another detective game. Two weeks ago, we talked about Detective, a modern crime board game. This week, we're going to be talking about Chronicles of Crime. So, lots of crimes going on in our household. Uh, well, hopefully, you're not the one committing them, Peter, but who knows? <laughs> I mean, as long as I'm not the victim, I'm, I'm pretty okay. <laughs> That's a good attitude to have. So, Chronicles of Crime, just to introduce it a bit if you're not familiar, one of the key things with this that we'll certainly discuss later is that, like Detective, you need to have a... Well, an, an app in this case, Detective used a website, but you need to have some kind of device connectivity to play the game. But additionally, this one has kind of a VR 360 experience when you go to crime scenes. We'll talk about all that later, but it does kind of, well, we'll see if it sets itself out from the pack with that or not. And then get into our design discussion, which is going to be crime-solving games in general. All right, so I will talk a little bit about the theme, which is you're solving a mystery. Typically, so far, it's been a murder, but uh, I'm sure they could do kind of anything they wanted with this. So they're not really interlinked too much they do have campaigns so one of the missions is a set of three missions that are kind of linked together but uh for the most part it's pretty independent and you go in and you're solving a case yeah and uh, i mean I, I guess i'll do the rules but there aren't very many rules basically everything is handled through this in-game app you need to have the app so if you don't have a, a device then you can't play the game basically and everything is a qr scannable object so all the cards in the game all of the like location tiles in the game all of them have a qr code on them and it's all about like sort of connecting things so like if you scan a witness you'll go into interrogation mode with that witness and then if you scan anything else the witness will tell you what they know about that thing or will lie to you about what they know about that thing basically that's how it works you just go around scanning things time does count down so so far i haven't had a case that like automatically failed because of time but definitely events happen sometimes negative events happen if you take too long and when you feel like you're ready, you go back to Scotland Yard, because this is a, a London kind of setting for the game. Kind of like Detective that we discussed two weeks ago, you get to answer a series of questions uh, to see if you actually know what happened in the case or not. Although in this case, instead of like picking multiple choice answers, you have to actually scan the correct card that represents whatever the question is asking about. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's pretty straightforward, and a lot of it is handled by the app itself, although... I think it would be hard to do without the physical components, but we'll probably get into that later. Absolutely. So what we do here for our review format is we talk about our top five things about the game. So starting with number five, which is our least important thing, going all the way to number one, which is our most important thing. So yes, I will start with our number five, which for me is uh, what you were talking about with these negative events. That's my number five. So things happen as time goes on. And to me, from what I've seen so far... It tends to get rid of suspects as you go along, if that makes sense. I guess I don't want to spoil too much, but at the same time I can say it. All right, some people die off as the game goes on, and so people that might have been suspects are no longer suspects. So I feel like the game uses it as a way to make it easier and easier and kind of narrow down your pool of suspects as the game goes on. There are other things that happen as well, but certainly narrowing down the pool of suspects is... One of the things that happens as the game goes on, it also gives you a sense of time pressure because you're like, uh-oh, somebody else just died. Maybe I should try to figure out what's going on here and stop messing around talking to this person about these cats or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's a good one. I, I didn't get that on my list, but I do feel like the time pressure matters in a pretty organic way, so it's definitely a nice touch on the game's part. And did you feel that way too, that it was like kind of narrowing down the, the field of suspects? So out of the cases I've played, two of them had that effect, but it, it never it never occurred to me that it was like easing up the difficulty. It was just kind of a natural, logical progression in the case. But now that you mention it, you're right that in each case, I did feel like somebody that might have been someone I suspected was gone. So yeah, no, I, I see your point. Yeah, I think they did that intentionally to you know, make the game easier and easier as you go along, the more time you're wasting. So, or not wasting, obviously spending investigating, but I, I do feel like that was a nice 
subtle way of doing two things at once. Okay, my number five is something we haven't noticed yet, but it is a pro for me. There are these four forensic contacts, they're called in the game, that you can always interact with. Uh, One of them is a hacker who can, like, hack devices you find or look up people on the internet. One of them is a criminologist. You can get into, like, the psychology of uh, criminals. And then one of them is a doctor and one of them is a scientist. The doctor is doing autopsies. Generally, the scientist, uh, probably the most used one, examines like fingerprints and trace elements and that kind of thing and all the evidence you find. This is not a new idea in games. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective had like a set of, uh, I think they called them Sherlock Holmes like regulars or something like that, that you could always go to like the, the morgue and that kind of thing. But what I like here is that it is so organic and uh, varied because you can ask them about anything that's come up. And it's almost, I wouldn't call it a hint system because you do need to go to them often. Like, clearly you need to find out if there are fingerprints. But at the same time, they will kind of point you in the right direction. So it does give you a little leeway. And unlike a game like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective where they would just have like a single paragraph... These guys can, like, kind of logically interact. And I just feel, kind of like with Detective 2, I feel like I'm actually doing police work as I play this because I have these contacts and I have a staff backing me up that has expertise that I don't have access to. It feels like one of those cop shows, you know, where, like, they go into the the scientist room and the guy's like, oh, let me pull up on the spectrometer, this cool thing, you know, so I, I feel kind of more like part of a team because of it. Yeah, and you also know when you're barking up the wrong tree when they say, like, three words to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, never mind. All right, so my number four is that additional cases are super easy to add. So one thing we didn't really talk much about is that, you know, I kind of mentioned it with the people, but this works for locations. It works for everything in the game. There is kind of a generic set of things. They don't have a description of the character under them. Literally, it's just a picture of the person with a QR code in the corner, or it's a picture of an item. Well, it's not even a picture of an item. It's the the names of things. So it might say stacks of papers as far as clues go or animals or whatever. And they're pretty generic categories, office supplies, things like that. And so they can put these things together in a multitude of different ways to make many, many different cases. And so you get some base cases with the box that you buy, but they also have more cases for sale online that you can just add these cases for like five bucks a piece. So it's almost like an escape room game where, you know, for something like Exit or Unlock, you're paying $15 for an extra game. Well, here you're paying $5 and you're getting an extra case, which is probably about the same amount of time and content, probably about an hour plus for each case. So I love the fact that it's so expandable and it's easy to add things in. And then they also have other expansions, which totally change up the artwork and have all new pictures and have all new items and things like that, and even introduce different mechanisms as far as their expansions go. So I think the expandability is really high here, as well as just their ability to work with what you have in the base box and really expand it that way through the app as well. So that's my number four. Yeah, that'll come up for me a little bit later, so I'll, uh, I'll hold off for now. But my number four is another pro, and I really like the the way that you investigate in this game. And specifically, I like the QR code scanning, and I like that everything is connection-based. You know, there are different ways to do detective games. We'll talk about that more in the design discussion. But a lot of them, I feel like, are here are paragraphs of text and, like, wade through it to find the important information. This one doesn't really do that. The The text you read is often pretty short, but instead what it's all about is intelligently figuring out what things are connected to each other. And I just like that, again, it, like, feels like I'm in a realistic, logical world. Like, if I scan the suspect and I scan the victim, you know, they're probably going to lie to me, but at least I'll get some kind of answer. You know, if I scan this person that witnessed the murder and then I scan, like, the the prime suspect, they'll be like, yeah, that's the person. It all just kind of works in a nice, um, again, organic way, and it feels good to just be able to scan things and, you know, with the app, always feel like you get, like, something logical that comes back to you based on whatever answer you're seeking. And it's pretty intelligent, too, and their answers change as the game goes on. So if somebody is murdered that you asked them about earlier, and then you ask them about again, they go, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened to that person. So I do like how that uh, works organically as well. Yeah, that, that's a great point, and, and what I really loved, uh, I think this is even in the tutorial, not to spoil it much, but if you find kind of like damning evidence that definitely proves somebody did something, then when you talk to them again, they will talk as though you are presenting that evidence and like they have been proven guilty. 
which I appreciate. You know, like, I don't need to, like, go through some menu screen to be like, okay, so I have the murder weapon with your fingerprints on it. Like, if I ask them about it, they will now talk about that fact. So, yeah, it all works really smoothly. Yeah, I mean, in the tutorial, they definitely spill the beans a little more so than I've seen in any other case. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I mean, they made it really easy for you. But either way, I still like the the feature in any case. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so mine kind of goes along with that, too. My number three is that my number three is that there is a visual representation of every location and every character. So in a lot of these games, and I even talked about this about Detective last week, I have a really hard time remembering the names of people and what's going on. But here, not only do you see a picture of somebody, but every time it talks about them, it'll have their card number next to it. So again, your eyes are drawn immediately to that card. It's like, wait, who is that person again? And you can look that person up right there on the board. Now, the location's not so much, so you may forget what was at the warehouse district or at the park or whatever else. So sometimes I will write little notes on sticky pad and, like, just attach them to the locations. At first, I was doing it for characters as well, like what their connections were. But then I realized after a while, it's pretty obvious, and they reiterate them over and over. So that wasn't such a big deal. But I did notice, at least for the locations, that I would just write myself a little note about what was important about that location. So maybe there's a art studio there this time, or maybe that's, you know, a rugby field the next game, or, you know, something else is going on at that location. Maybe this is one of the suspects where the one of the suspects lives or where the murder happened. So I do like to write little notes about that. But I do also like the visual reminder. For me, I am apparently such a visual person when I'm playing games like this. I don't want to have to remember everybody's name. But if I see the picture of that person along with their name, I'm really going to tend to remember it much more so. So for me, someone if you're someone like me who likes that visual reminder, I think this game does a really good job of, of showing you that. Yeah, that's a really awesome point that I didn't really think about until just now. I mean, I've appreciated the visual component, but I didn't kind of think in my head about how lacking that is in other games like this but it's the fact that i can see every single character i mean it's almost like you know on like the cop shows you'll they'll have like the board as they're figuring things out and draw like little lines between people and stuff but they have like the photographs of the people right up there right it's, it's almost like they have that effect going on which no other game has and yeah yeah that, that, that's that's super true and that that does go a bit into my number three this one is weird um I'm calling it a mix, but it's not really a mix. I, <laughs> like, like to explain, I why I'm saying it's mixed. It, it's a pro for me, but I think some people could see it as a mix or a con for them. So I just want to kind of like put it out there for potential audiences for this game, and that is the fact that like the entire game is the app. Now, Peter's right that there is a visual component, so without that, it would be a little hard to remember who's who. But if I was playing, like, on, you know, Steam, like, on my computer, or playing this as, like, a video game on a console, I could have the pictures up of people as well. But besides that, everything you read is on the your phone or your, your iPad or whatever it is. Like, there's no text on the cards. As Peter said, they're all, like, generic cards. So everything is through the app. Like, you, you see the crime scenes through the app. You read all the text through the app. You scan everything through the app. You could basically take the entire game and all its elements, put it on a computer screen, have people clicking on the characters as buttons instead of scanning things, and it would work the exact same way. Now, this doesn't bother me much, and I do see benefits to the board game element. As Peter said, you have a nicer visual representation that you probably couldn't fit in a nice, like, logistical way on a computer screen. And then additionally, I do think it is a nice cooperative experience, like discussing things, reading the evidence together. We'll get to uh, the crime scene stuff later, I think probably for both of us is my guess. But yeah, like, all of that I think is nice and cooperative, and if it was a video game, it would probably immediately become a solo-only experience. So for me, I don't mind that how the app works. I like that there's a board game app integration here, but I do have to say that... If you don't want to, like, read on a phone, if you are against kind of, like, games that are sort of video game-ish mixed with board games, this one is heavily in that camp. Like, 90% of the stuff that's happening is happening through the app. I 100% agree. And this didn't make my list, but I thought it many times that this could just be an app game. But I wouldn't like it as much for exactly what you said. It wouldn't be a co-op game anymore. And I really do think, especially when it comes to the crime scene stuff, that that is so much more powerful 
doing it as a board game, the cooperation that comes in there, the amount of discussion that comes in. I'm loving sharing these with people. There are plenty of video games I could play that would have probably not a similar feel, but, you know, a, a feel of solo going and solving a mystery. But I'm glad that this is a board game mixed with an app. Oh, I agree 100%. Uh, I played it with, like, you. I played it with Jerry. I played it with my wife. I even played it with, uh, you know, maybe this is a poor parenting choice, but I played it with my six-year-old son. And, and you know, n- not to get into my final thoughts too early, but it's been a pretty good experience with all of them and a cooperative experience with all of them. Yeah, I thought about bringing it in front of my kids, but boy, there's a lot of mature stuff in this game. I hope they do come up with non-mature things, like non-murder-oriented themes. And it's not even just the murder, but there's drugs. There's all kinds of stuff in here that, uh, you know, maybe the six-year-old's not going to pick up on, but my older kids might. So, uh, I mean, that's definitely a con that's not on my list also. All right, so I told Mike I had seven things at the beginning, but we're coming up with like eight, nine things with the game. Um, And so far, we haven't overlapped that much, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, but we're going to get a bit more, I think. But why why don't you go with your number two and see how much we get? Yeah, so my number two is, and, and we kind of brought this up a little bit earlier, but you have to actually solve a crime here. What I mean by that is, They're not going to say Mr. Johnson is over here with these people. Now, a lot of times they do. So I shouldn't say they're not going to say that. A lot of times they do. But sometimes they'll introduce characters and not really tell you where they are. They'll just be introducing characters and you almost have to find them. It's like, okay, where logically would this person be hanging out? And then you can click on the location and click on the person and they'll tell you if they're there or not. And so I found that kind of neat in the fact that you're not just trying to figure out the clues to solve the case but you're also in some instances trying to figure out where people are why they were there you're trying to kind of read timelines as well and kind of figure out where people were at certain times of the day as well so i just like how all of that kind of ties together and it's not just solve the mystery but it's also let's figure out why they did it how they did it and where maybe they're hanging out right now yeah, and I'm going to save some of my discussion on that point of like whether you feel like you're solving a case or not for my final thoughts and also our design discussion later. But I agree with a lot of what you said. And I remember one moment where I didn't know where a character was. And just off the cuff, I was like, hey, let me check with the hacker. And the hacker's like, oh, I've, I found their address and their car registration. They're here. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, that's just, you know, go back to my number five and those forensic contacts. Like, that's exactly how it should work. I do have resources to find these people. So, yeah, it works really well. So my number two, I don't have much to say because it's identical to, I think, your number four. And that is how easily expandable this game is and how much I like the fact that the cards are very generic and can be applied to any case. So I have no problem whatsoever plunking down $5 for cases for this game for the foreseeable future, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I I, I mean, I, we're, we're giving away our thought, final thoughts here, but I think it's pretty obvious just by the tone of our conversation as well that... Um, Yeah, $5 for a case is a no-brainer for me. And the other nice thing is, I can see this being a very easy game to design for. Now, the one challenging thing is that you do have to have someone who can make, like, this panoramic uh, art for the crime scenes, which I think, I I have a feeling, might be coming up very soon for potentially two people on this podcast. (laughs) But besides that, like, literally all it is is going through all of the text you need to write. And that's a lot of work, don't get me wrong. You need to, like, take every dang object in the game and figure out how every character will react to every object. So it's probably, like, gosh, I don't know, like, 600 or 1,000, like, little mini interactions you have to write text for. But that's all it is, is writing text. I'm sure, like, coding it in is pretty simple. So I could imagine that they should be able to crank out cases for this very quickly. And they already have a lot of expansions planned. Already, like, with the base set of the game, you get two more cases for free. And I think they already have two other cases you can download for $5 each. So you can get uh, seven cases in short order to play for the game very quickly. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a bright future for this game. As long as the company does well and as long as it sells well, I don't see any reason why they won't keep going for the foreseeable future. And something else about that is I noticed that different people design different cases. So similar to Time Stories, they don't have to have just one person cranking out cases. Multiple people can be working on case, cases simultaneously. So they should be able to keep the content coming pretty quickly as long as the game sells well and I don't see why it wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, Peter. So, w- what is our number one? Yeah, I was about to say. I'm gonna let you go first on this. I mean, it's the obvious number one point about the yeah. game. It's. <laughs> I mean, I don't see how anybody could say this is not the number one. Yeah, it's the VR element of the game. I'm gonna let yeah. you go first because you're number two. I had kind of covered already. So go ahead and okay. talk about the VR element. I appreciate that. At least once per case, you'll go to a crime scene. And sometimes that's a scene of a murder, which is the part that I had to hide from my six-year-old a little bit. But, you know, sometimes it's just like a general place you're searching. The best way to do this is with these glasses. Now, you can use pretty much any VR glasses. I've done a little bit of research, and it looks like almost any of them will work, like the little Google one that you put in a box or any of that kind of stuff. But you can buy, like, $10 ones specifically made for the game. But in any case, um, you get 360-degree rotation, and actually, like, even uh, above and below. So you're just looking at the crime scene. And how it works is, and God, I love this. It's such great cooperation, and it really makes the game... It's not, like, impossible to play solo, but it makes it a much less fulfilling thing to play solo, is that you will see things in, like, the, the crime scene. You know, so you'll see blood, you'll see broken bottles you'll see uh a wallet laying on the ground and you know in a video game you might just click on those and that's it but here you have to shout out what you're seeing and there's like this deck of 40 or so very generic evidence cards like it'll be like locks or doors or it'll be like uh bags or boxes you know so very very open-ended and they need to figure out what best fits, like what evidence type best fits what you're seeing. So if you say, I see a purse, they got to figure out, all right, I guess that's the bag category. Uh, I see some uh, files. They'll be like, oh, is that office or is that paper? You know, sometimes there'll be like two that kind of fit it. So everyone is kept involved, even if you're the only one who can see it. And I will note that you can uh, play it like on a phone or iPad without the VR, and it just becomes a rotatable like thing that everyone can kind of look at. But I don't see that being nearly as much fun because I like the way the cooperation works right now. I mean, I guess <laughs> someone who's cynical could compare this to like those find the object games that are like a dime a dozen on computers. Where, like, you just look at, like, a picture and try to, like, poke at the things. But the 360 element, like, the fact that I feel like I'm there and that I'm actually calling out evidence that I'll scan later and then take to, like, my scientist friend and look for fingerprints on and stuff. It just, it makes the cases feel so real. And it's really hard to communicate just how awesome it is. Yeah. Like, the first time I showed it to my wife, like, she was just blown away. You know, she's like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's, it's so fun. It's just, I don't know. Peter, why don't you talk about it for a little bit? Well, I totally agree. Now, the one thing that I'll say is a little frustrating about it is that there are sometimes like, you know, you see a binder or something and one thing is office supplies. Another thing is papers. It's like, well, I don't know. What is that supposed to be specifically? So that can be a little frustrating, but whatever. You're going to waste four minutes of your time entering in and and it'll tell you right away whether it was important or not. But I love this little mystery puzzle solving part of it where you're looking at the Uh, through the VR glasses at it, and we'll just rotate that around the table. And here's the other thing. There's a timer on it, and it's not as long as you would like. So I almost never just look at a crime scene once. I'll almost always look at it twice. Now, I don't look at it myself twice. What we'll end up doing is, okay, I looked at it first last time. You look at it first this time. Start screaming out some stuff, and then we'll pass it around the table and give each person a chance until we feel like we've pretty much seen it all. When that last person's like, yeah, you're right. No, no, I don't see anything new. Then we kind of stop passing it around the table. But it's such a fun experience, as you said. I want everybody to experience that every time we do it because it might only be one or two times a case. So, you know, we want to get everybody involved in that. And it is by far the most notable part of the game. And it is by far what makes the game stand out more than any other game in this genre that I've played so far. So this game is so visually striking between the pictures, between the VR, like it really just keeps all of your senses engaged and there aren't a lot of games that do that. Yeah, and I do want to note, just for people who haven't seen like any gameplay videos of the game, um, the art style is like slightly cartoony with a little bit of a realistic bent on like the cards and everything. In the VR stuff, it is of a slightly lower quality. Like you'll see that right away. Things aren't as detailed. They sometimes do like janky things, like making objects way bigger than they really are just yeah. so that they are visible like like a pen will be like as big as a <laughs> like as a chair just for a second because like they want you to notice that there's a pen there and you might not see it otherwise yeah they definitely make make clues stand out <laughs> yeah but it, it like it doesn't bother me and it's still such an immersive experience and honestly i'm kind of glad that it's not like photorealistic 
because I don't want to see the stuff you're investigating <laughs> for a realistic right. way. Yeah, you don't want to see dead bodies and gore everywhere. I mean, it's very cartoony blood. Like, if you've played any video game with, you know, blood, it's probably much worse than the blood that they show here. I have a couple more things before I get into my final thoughts. I talked about the things can be time-based, day or night. There are also events that'll happen. It's say something might say, I'll meet you at six o'clock here. So you have to there's a clock in the corner that you can kind of pay attention to and kind of show up at certain locations. Now, they don't always tell you exactly how to do things when you get to certain places. Like so you might be sitting there like just waiting for the person to pop up and it doesn't happen and maybe you have to do some funky things with the app but that's kind of a puzzle mystery too where you have to figure that stuff out so i thought that was kind of neat how they did that and the other thing because this was my big thing i was worried about because this does drain your phone battery at least for mine it did and we had a situation where we're in the middle of a game and my phone died so i was like oh no what's gonna happen now and so I thought I'd just point out here, this is not one of my official top five, but I thought it was important enough to point out that it does autosave for you. So we got right back in as soon as my phone charged up a little bit again and could continue right from where we were. So I was super happy about that because I remember our Mansions of Madness experience three and a half hours yeah, in. <laughs> yeah. The thing died. That was a bad night. Yeah. I- I'm sure it's fixed now. I'm sure Mansions of Madness autosaves now. But it certainly didn't when that app first came out. And, uh, yeah, that was three and a half hours in. So, um, but, yeah, Mike, why don't you get into your final thoughts? Well, one quick thing I want to mention kind of while we're on the app. The app works super well. It's really smooth, really professional. And something else that's nice that's kind of different from other detective games is that it does have, like, a history function. So you can go back and review anybody's testimony or any piece of evidence you've found. Now, it's still fine to take notes, and I've done that during the game, but it does free you if you don't like taking notes in these kind of games to just kind of go with the flow and investigate. And if you forget some, you know, first of all, you don't really need to know the names because the cards are right there. But also at the same time, like, you can look back and see details that you uh, you might have forgotten. All right, so my final thoughts. Clearly, I like this game a lot. I think it's... It's near the top. It's probably like one of my top two or so kind of like murder mystery detective games. Now, that's not a huge genre. Like, I've only played probably five or six of them. But still, it is uh, It is fighting for number one up there. I think it's incredibly easy to get people into. Like, casual gamers will immediately be able to grok it and will love the VR. The VR is bar none like the best experience i've had with a like sort of investigative uh board game and actually i mean even video game like i've never had a video game that did this and it's, it would be amazing to have this in video games like in a sort of detective game where you go into vr sometimes i like the cases so far uh i'm not sure they're like the hardest cases ever or that i feel the most clever for solving them but they also don't overstay their welcome, and I never feel like I'm completely 100% lost on what to do. And, you know, I appreciate that for a game that maybe is a little bit more of a casual level. And, yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited for, like, to see where this goes in the future. I I mean, P- Peter owns the game, so hopefully he'll be the one spending all the money on these. But I would love <laughs> to play cases. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to play cases in this game for as long as they make them, you know. I, I, I don't really see this being replaced anytime. I think it's... Uh, I think it's a great game, and I think everyone should play it. You know, as long as you're not bothered by the subject matter, you are investigating murders a lot of the time. As Peter said, there's, like, drugs and sexual activity and stuff involved, so yep. just be ready for that. Um, but as long as you are of an age where you feel appropriately mature enough to handle that, this game is fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I've said too much already, so I think people can tell I love it. You said it's one of your top detective games. It's by far my number one. I, I can't even think of another one I'd even want to play after playing this one yeah the only one that like is fighting for it and i'll mention it later is one that you haven't played at all but i i don't think it would beat chronicles of crime for you anyway no probably not and i mean this hits my buttons for for you guys who have listened to us through 50 plus episodes you know that i like things streamlined i like things pretty straightforward you know i i was funny jerry and i played an unlock game or no it was an exit game this weekend and it was actually pretty simple. It was a two out of five like difficulty, and we beat it pretty easily. But I like that. I, I like games to be not overly hard. I you know yes, I like puzzles, and I like when they make me feel smart. But they do make me feel smart. You know when I can figure it out pretty quickly. You know you said the games take about an hour and a half, and that's probably true. But these games never feel like an hour and a half. I mean sometimes in you know in these escape room games, I'll get stuck. 
and you know you'll be staring at a puzzle for a while and it'll feel like time comes to a standstill at no point ever in any of these games have i ever had it felt like time stood still or it stopped i i mean we might have taken an hour and a half two hours to solve some cases and it, it never felt that way to me you know it felt like it was 30 minutes and it was just enjoyable the whole time the only one caution i have about this game and really any detective game i have so that'll kind of get into our design discussion is you kind of have to be on the same page with everybody at the table and what i mean by that is not necessarily as far as crime solving skills but as far as what experience you want to have and it's true for escape room games too like when do you want to go to those hints but for these crime solving cases i know there was one case i played where i was just ready to solve it and i knew we didn't have quite everything but i was just you know, it's getting kind of, uh, all right, you know, I, I don't see where we need to go next. So let's go to the end and just see how it works out and let them tell us the story at the end and see what we missed and like, oh, we should have done this or that. But the person I was with was not ready and we kept playing and playing and then people kept dying and I'm like, come on, people are dying. Like we need to, we need to go, you know, at least try to figure out who did it. But the person was like, yeah, but we don't know this and we don't know that. I do think you need to be on the same page because I think some people might be done with it before other people. And it's not that I wasn't, they didn't have an enjoyable time the whole time through the experience, but I, I was done with that particular case uh, at the time. So I think that's part of it too. You know, you guys have to have, and just like any crime solving case, and, and actually this is something I'm going to get into in the design discussion as well. Like everybody also has to agree on the answer, you know, and that might not be the case either. And if you don't agree, you have to go with somebody's answer. It's not like you can all answer individually. The only one I know that does that is not a cooperative game. It's, uh, what was that? Oh, Watson and Holmes, I think it was. Oh, yes. Watson and Holmes, you know, where you're doing it competitively, then multiple people can answer. But in all these detective games I've played so far, there's, you know, you're putting in one answer to get your score. So you have to be on the same page there as well. So it does become a cooperative experience in that case, but not not always the most positive one. And that's, again, for all of these crime solving games, if you can't come to a consensus on something. Yeah, so I think it does lead into our design discussion. So we're going to talk about kind of uh, detective games in general and games that are like about solving crimes and stuff. Did you want to like kind of talk about this overall, Peter? Or did you want to like do a direct comparison between detective and Chronicles of Crime first? Well, let's start with that first. So we have played a little bit more detective since we recorded our episode. And I'll say it wasn't a game for us. In fact, we ended up, it wasn't either of our games anyway, as our friend Jerry, he ended up selling it off. Uh, We only played one more case, case three. We had a miserable time with it. And it's a lot of it is for the problems you can get with any of these crime games or escape room games. If you can't figure out the trick, you can't get anywhere. You can't progress on the case and it becomes a frustrating experience. And so that's what happened with us in case three. I think case three would have been a lot of fun. It would have been much quicker than the other cases. Not as much fluff. You know, that was one of the things we complained about. Case three really didn't have that at all. But it had one big puzzle you had to solve, and if you just weren't anywhere close to it, you weren't going to find it. And so it can definitely be a frustrating experience, and it was for us. None of us enjoyed that case, uh, and we immediately ended up selling it off afterward. Now, what I will say about Detective is I know a lot of people that like that game. I've talked to a lot of people that are like, have you played Detective yet? It's so great when they hear we do, you know, or they know we talk about co-op games, and so... There are people that love that game. It just didn't hit for our group. And I think it's a matter of if you like getting, you know, if you want to commit a full night, if you want a three to four hour experience, that's very thematic. It immerses you. Like we said, we thought it immersed us too much because it talked about drinking coffee and stuff like that over and over. You know, (laughs) it does immerse you and it does get people into the story and people, you know, have their own whiteboards and they are doing what you were saying, taking pictures of people, photocopying them or whatever, putting them on the board. And so... You know, if you want that kind of experience, that might be more where Detective sits for you. If you want a streamlined version of it, that's where Chronicles of Crime comes in. And that's more in my ballpark. And I just enjoyed the experience more. So, I mean, I agree clearly. The big difficulty, and I won't go into spoilers, but with Mission 3, and this is kind of a problem I felt with Detective in general, is that I guess they wanted to give the players freedom to discover things on their own but they set rules for how the game is to be played 
And then they broke those rules with no clarity or indication that the rules had been broken and that you could do something else. And I found that incredibly frustrating. Like, you can't... You know, you, you can't teach me the rules for a game and then the rules change, but you don't tell me they change. There's just kind of like a lack of transparency in Detective, and it did ruin that third case for us, absolutely. Because it's not that we couldn't have figured out one of the, like, tricks, if you will, to the case. It's that we were not made aware that we were allowed to have a way to do it. And I won't say any more about it than that. I still think it would have been fun to do it, even if it told us that. It's like, hey, do this. I still think doing that would have been a fun experience oh, in and absolutely. of itself. absolutely. Like, even an oblique hint would have been enough. All right, now getting into our uh, bigger discussion, the first thing I'd like to talk about, and this kind of goes to your uh, point earlier about, like, whether you feel like you're solving a real case or not. I think a big thing to consider with uh, the design of any of these, like, kind of murder mystery cases is to what extent can the player obsessively try everything until they fall into answers and to what extent do you build in game elements that prevent or encourage that practice and also how feasible is it to do so like how many different things are there to look into right so to give you an example detective the way they do it i really don't like the way detective does it because theoretically if you had infinite time in that game there are only a certain number of cards, and they tell you every single card you can read. Like, every single piece of information you can gain is laid out right there, and, like, that is all you can find out about. And it's a fairly limited number of things, you know? Like, it's, like, 50 cards for a case or something like that. Maybe more than that, but I don't know. It's not, like, 200 cards for a case. So what they do is they limit the amount of time you have to investigate it. They limit the amount of tokens you have to flip them over, which... You know, it's fine. Like, it gives you some tactical choices and some intuitive choices to make there. But at the same time, I feel like there's not that much case to solve. And they've just kind of arbitrarily said, okay, you have two days for this. And it's like, why do I have two days for this? I'm a police... Well, not... I guess you're like a private detective in that one, like with an organization. But still, it's like, you know, real investigations take weeks. Like, I can't just... <laughs> you know, if I, if I had one more day to talk to everybody, I'd solve the case perfectly. But you've given me this arbitrary time. So I didn't love that. Now, Chronicles of Crime... So far, like I said, I've never had a case that actually was like, hey, you fail. Now, maybe it would. I, I haven't ever had to push the time so far that that could happen. But we do have, like, these events, so you do have some time element kind of pushing you to, to do stuff. But the thing with Chronicles of Crime is that there are so many permutations that it's just totally not logical or, like, fun to run through them all. Like, you know, when you've got 15 pieces of evidence and... 10 different suspects, you're not going to run through 150 QR scans to find out what every single one of those people says about every single one of those evidence. And hey, no, it's even more than that, because you also have to ask them each about each other, and then it'll change halfway through the case. So even though you can scan everything, and I don't know if time would actually like make you eventually just lose the case automatically, you're not going to do it. So you are forced to like actually limit what you're looking into and try to just do the things that make the most sense. So I do think that it does it a little bit better. Now, I will say uh, the one game I haven't mentioned yet is uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. And that's the one that, for me, is fighting for, like, top murder mystery game. And for those who aren't familiar, that one is a straight-up book. And you just, like, go and look up numbers. But it's all address-based. And you have this huge directory of all the addresses in London. And you can go to friggin' anything. Like, you can be like, I'm gonna go talk to this random person because their name sounds like it might matter. I'm gonna go talk to, like, the livery stables and find out if somebody got a horse. So I do feel like that one still does it the best. Even though, like, you don't have the connective thing. Like, if I go to number 121, it's always gonna say the same thing. If I go to 121 again, you don't have the intelligence of the app that you have in uh, Chronicles of Crime. But at the same time, like, it's clearly impossible for me to look at everything. And that one gives me the most freedom to choose what things I'm going to investigate. Chronicles of Crime still limits me to the cards they've decided to give me and the cards I've investigated at the crime scene. But in Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, it's the only one where I can intuitively, like, go to a, you know, a port authority because somebody mentioned something about a boat. And there's, like, 50 of them, and I can track down which one is the one that actually matters. I still feel like that has the most kind of, like, freedom in the investigation, but at the same time, it's a much uh, more difficult game to get into because of that. So I think Chronicles of Crime kind of hits that nice, straightforward, but meaningful choices, like, level of um, how many options you give the player in terms of how they investigate the case. 
Yeah, and I think everybody's level is going to be different with that. See, what you just mentioned for Sherlock Holmes that you liked about it would drive me absolutely crazy. I don't I don't necessarily want something linear the way you're right. It's funny, when we play detective, we investigated almost every card most times. And, you know, maybe we left out one or two things, but we really got most of the information, which is, I mean, to some degree good because they're trying to tell a story. But to another degree, it wasn't satisfying to do. Uh, I never felt like I was like making smart choices. I was making obvious choices. I'm at this location. I'm going to do these five things because these are the five things here. You know, I, I never felt like I was making interesting choices where it is very open in a game like Chronicles of Crime. You're right, where, you know, you can click on anybody and ask them about anything. Uh, and we did. It, it's funny, not only with the questions we were asking people, but even when we were investigating crime scenes, we used to yell out everything. Oh, there's a picture on the wall. There's this, there's that. And then after a while, we just kind of got to the, okay, this looks important. That looks important. And we stopped calling out everything. You know, and, and just, okay, let's prioritize where do we want to spend our time investigating? Which which objects do we think were most important? So I, I do like how, you know, it's more, you're right. I, there are different options. I think different people are going to like different things. But for me, Chronicles of Crime, I love how they did that as well. You know, the first thing I listed was people have to be on the same page. But I almost wish that these games gave you an option to go through the quiz. Like, how many players do you have? Three? Go through this quiz three times and everybody puts in their own thing. And maybe most of the time you're always going to put the same thing because you agree on what's going on. But if one person figured it out, maybe your score, instead of getting the full 20 points, you get like five points or something like that toward your score. And then that one person and, and maybe they even call out that person. You know, you put your name in there and, you know, you're Lieutenant Gray and hey, Lieutenant Gray, good job. You figured out who the murderer was. You should have, you know, I wish your colleagues would have followed suit or something. You know, they could do something clever with that um, to make it even beyond a point scoring quiz at the end to like call out who really kind of figured things out better than other people even though it would be a cooperative experience still, you know, because you're still trying to get the highest score together. If you all get it right, it's like, wow, you guys are geniuses or, oh, you guys missed that one. So I think they could do cooler things if they give you multiple opportunities to answer the questions. Um, and that's been the only frustrating thing for me is when we get to the end and I think it's something and other people in the group don't agree with me. And of course, you're outvoted. So it's like, all right, well, we'll go with that thing. And when, you, you know, if your thing turns out to be right, it's, it's like, oh, come on, I knew that. And uh, so, you know, I, I wish there was a way to do that. And I think you can do that as a designer, you know, put that in your game where, you know, maybe it's not a scoring scoring system, but you have multiple chances to, to try to get it right. Yeah, and that gets into the other thing um, I wanted to discuss design wise. And that is the it's, it's a major problem. And I don't think any game has perfectly kind of surmounted it. And that is that, in a lot of cases, these games are kind of a solo experience. I haven't seen any that really did a fantastic job of adding a lot of cooperation into them. I do think Chronicles of Crime does a great job with the VR. But for the rest, besides talking through things and, like, taking turns scanning, <laughs> which is not that exciting, or, like, taking turns reading what's on the phone, like, there's really not much that is like true force cooperation it's just like you experiencing it together uh you know sherlock holmes consulting detective you can take turns reading the case or deciding where to go that's the sum total of the cooperation besides just obviously talking through the case um detective same thing you can take turns like i mean detective tried to uh suggest roles you could each play but I found that a total bust. Like, it wasn't interesting. The roles weren't balanced well. And we just ended up going back to the standby of taking turns reading stuff anyway. It seems like the way that a designer would want to do it. And I'm not sure how you explain this thematically. Unless you are, like, in some kind of escape roomish situation where, like, you can't talk to each other. But if there was some way to limit communication and to have players getting different levels of information or viewing different things... That seems like the, the kind of way to make it really, like, work magically. And the closest I can think of that is um, there was one unlock case. I won't say which one just to avoid spoilers, but I think we've mentioned it before. But there's one unlock case where for part of the case we were in separate locations. We could only communicate in a very limited way, and we were just, like, kind of solving our own puzzles to then help the other people solve puzzles. 
and I haven't played it yet, but it sounds like uh, Arkham Horror LCG, The Labyrinth of Lunacy, this uh, one-off expansion that you can play in an epic mode with three different groups. It sounds like it has kind of the same sort of thing where, like, you're playing each your own game, but you're passing hints to each other. But I haven't seen that kind of thing in a detective game yet. And if somebody could get that or design that, I think that would be really awesome. Like, to where you each have your own information that you're not sharing with each other. And, you know, some games have even had it where, like, I can read the card, but then you can take a turn and read the card later. Kind of like the Holmes and Watson game. Well, Time Stories does that, too. Oh, that's right. Time Stories does do that. Yeah, but see, Time Stories, I always felt like it was just I was taking turn reading it. And I'm, you know, I have to summarize it for everybody. And I, yep. yeah, okay, I, I guess I guess Time Stories is close. I just didn't find it fully satisfying because I wasn't limited in what I could say besides that I wasn't supposed to read the entire card. I could still just summarize everything for them. Like, if there was actually some limitation, like in the unlock thing, where, like, we had to figure out clever ways to help each other out and pass hints to each other... I think that would be cooler. Time Stories doesn't really do that. But at least it is a step along the path. So, so good call on that. Yeah, all right. So uh, my next point is that people engaged in the game have to care about the crime. And it's funny because a lot of them are just murders. And so, you know, it's pretty obvious that you want to care. But this never struck itself to me except for that first case in Detective which I didn't care about even a little bit, where we're basically trying to find this pocket watch. And I know some people cared about it, and I'm sure a lot of people cared about it, but I didn't. And so when you're trying to do a mystery-solving case where you don't care about what the MacGuffin is at the end or, you know, this thing that you're you're trying to figure out, that it makes the game less satisfying. So I would just say if you are going to put something in there that's not, like, solve this murder or whatever, or even if it is solve this murder, make people care about the victim Make people care about the thing that they are looking for. Don't just expect that they will know why they should care about the thing that they are looking for. Really, like, put some flavor text in there. You know, if you're going to put flavor text in anyway, especially, put some flavor text in there as to why this thing is so important and we have to find it. And if we don't, you know, the fate of the world is on the line or something along those lines. You know, not just, oh, find the stolen item. It, it, you know, it's super important to me. Yeah, and that was a particular challenge for some of the detective cases because they were trying to... Uh cases based on crimes committed long ago and that's not a spoiler you'll see in the very first case and that's like what's going on so because I, I think like the way that you do get that emotional attachment as a designer and like as a writer even of these kind of things is in the reactionary stuff you know like clearly i can't talk to the murder victim and find out like what a nice person they were but if the game gives me like a chance to read a paragraph of their sister talking about how much they loved them or about their daughter saying how they'll, like, miss their mommy. But in any case, I, I, did, I think Detective, by trying to, like, do cases that were, like, 50 years old, like, there is literally nobody I will talk to that will have that kind of, like, gut emotional reaction to what I'm saying. Chronicles of Crime, so for everything's been, like, an immediate, like, this just happened, investigate it. So, you know, I'll go to somebody and I'll be the first person to tell them that someone has passed on, you know, or that somebody's been kidnapped. And they'll, like, immediately react and I'll get to read that reaction and... Chronicles of Crime, again, is has a leg up because it has this constant visual representation. So it's not just like this name that's in a block of text. I have a face for that father. I have a face for that brother that kind of like lets me think about how they're feeling about the situation. Yeah, so my next point is that I like when there are multiple ways to get to the same answer. And maybe you and I could solve the case completely differently. And the other thing this helps with is if you are off the beaten path, if you are just going down completely the wrong path that you shouldn't be going down, maybe there'll be a clue to kind of throw you back on the right path. I know in some of the Chronicles of Crime cases, at some points it felt like they were beating us over the head. It's like, oh my gosh. Three people told us, okay, like, it's pretty obvious that this person, you know, did it or or whatever else. Maybe not, the, you know, giving away who did it, but, like, really pointing you in a certain direction. I like that. You know, I like it that there isn't just one path to go. So for future cases, I was like, well, I don't need to talk to these three other people. They're probably just going to tell us the same thing. Now, sometimes you want to corroborate stories and make sure that they are both saying the same thing. But, I mean, that's the worst thing about these kind of games in my mind, and it's true for the escape room games too. When you are on the wrong path, they are no fun. Like, no fun at all. Like, you don't want to be on the wrong path for long. So you want something to point people back in the right direction. Escape room games have hint systems that they can use, but none of these crime games really do. 
And so I think Chronicles of Crime does a good job by lowering the suspect pool as it goes on. Although that's what I was going to say. I think it's funny that like really you're investigating this first murder, but then there are like three other murders by the end. And yes, people are reacting to these murders, but they're really just trying to get you to solve the first murder most of the time anyway. So they don't really bring up the second and third murders too much, even you know they though they've happened in the middle of the game. So I always find that kind of uh, of interesting. It's like that first one's the one you really care about. Uh, and I think Detective did this too. Or, yeah, it's like these people got blown up or whatever at one point, and they're like, "Good job, you solved the case." It's like, well, wait a minute, people got blown up. What? what how's that a good job? <laughs> How do we do a good job there? Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of funny. That like, you know, they're they're always like, "Okay, what's the main case?" That's all that really matters. Like, your job doesn't involve like any of these other random things that happen. But uh, to kind of get back to my main point was I like some kind of a hint system because these games can get frustrating at times. So whether that's multiple people that give you the same information or like multiple ways to get to the same point, whether I go this way and I find out, you know, drug traces here and maybe they lead me to something. And then if I just went and talked to this person, they tell me that same information. I do like that uh, you know, you can get to the same place through multiple paths. Yeah, and building off of that, I do think designers of these games should, and I'm not a mystery writer, but I've read enough that I know this is kind of a common thing in mystery writing in general. I think they should strive for red herrings, you know, kind of like false paths that don't actually lead to the correct answer. But a specific kind of red herring that I think is most satisfying, and that's a red herring that still leads to its own mystery, and thus gives you the feeling that there is more going on in this world. Uh, for Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, without being too spoilery, in one of the cases, there's a red herring that's very involved. But it doesn't end with nothing, like, hey, this person did nothing. It ends with you discovering um, some infidelity, like somebody cheating on somebody else. So I don't feel like my, you know, you were saying, Peter, like you feel like you're lost and your efforts are wasted. I didn't feel like my efforts were wasted. I did not solve the case I was trying to solve in that case. But I found out something that was still a mystery. I think Detective, you know, even though we've been ragging on it a lot, I think Detective did that in a way even better because they had this long, like, kind of campaign of stuff. And what I loved there is that we would find out information that was not pertinent to the current case, but that might be pertinent to the larger, like, picture and larger story being told later. And that, again, really gave me this feeling of, like, a real world and a larger situation that's going on. Although it's funny, my point that I wrote here was uh, red herrings generally aren't fun. <laughs> so it's funny we're coming at this from a different perspective, but I think I agree with you in the fact that some red herrings are fun when they lead to a satisfying conclusion. Well, I'll say, I'll say even that I think red herrings are necessary for there to be a satisfying case. And they can be very limited, like... To give a Chronicles of Crime example, in some of the early cases, like, they give you, like, three people who have a motivation to do it. Right. Now, you very quickly eliminate, like, oh, okay, this person didn't have anything to do with it. Ah, that person wasn't even, like, available to do it. But still, just the fact that those people exist to throw you off the scent for even a moment is still better than it being, like, here is a single character. You know, like, the... This is how the tutorial basically works. It's like, here is the only character who has anything to do with anything. What I think one thing Chronicles of Crime does really well is have multiple subplots to the story as well. Like, when you're answering those questions, it's not just who did it, with what weapon, at what location. It's not clue, right? Like, they ask you all kinds of stuff. It's like, whoa, I didn't realize that was a subplot. You know, there's stuff going on that you don't even necessarily catch on to in the middle of the story but they'll ask you questions about it at the end you know oh man there's a mastermind going on here in the background that i didn't even find out about wow that's kind of neat or you know what's going on here or what's going on there so i really do think um having multiple different stories go on and maybe even asking people about them at the end is kind of cool yeah well and then that's what i like maybe red herrings is the word wrong word for it but that's exactly what i'm talking about like having a larger tableau of mysteries going on than just the one thing and you know it doesn't help you solve the murder but it's something kind of cool to discover all right i had a couple more here but i think we hit my main points how about you anything else no no those are the big things i wanted to talk about but uh yeah i mean i, I hope they keep making these games both expansions for uh, chronicles of crime and uh and just more kind of in this genre because i still think it is a genre that can be plumbed a lot more and heck even i know detectives doing like a new version i think in a, in a different time period 
go ahead. You know, I'll, I'll give it another chance. I'm not going to assume that it's going to be the same frustrating experience. And actually, I did have one more point here, which is don't be afraid to add puzzles to your game. You know, escape room games are really good at throwing puzzles in the middle there. But I haven't seen really one of these crime solving games with a puzzle puzzle. But maybe you have to, you know, crack a safe or something. I guess Mansions of Madness, second edition does this. I wouldn't call that a crime solving game. But, you know, they throw some puzzles in the middle there. And I think that would be a welcome thing to add because I think people who like to solve mysteries also like to solve puzzles. So I think that would be kind of a neat element to see in one of these crime games as well yeah and i think that that does go to time stories again because time stories has at least some of the some of the expansions are sort of crime solving ish they definitely have mystery elements and there's a reason i still think that the base game of time stories is the best one they've come out oh absolutely and that's because it had the most interesting and the most intricate puzzle to solve whereas many of the rest have zero puzzles to solve yep so yeah i i agree with you and and what, what i'll say is really nice is if the puzzle's really tough like Peter said, give an alternate way to get to the same answer, but have it use up a lot more resources or a lot more time. Yeah, no. So do you have one final piece of advice for somebody who wants to make one of these crime-solving games? I guess read a lot of crime books. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I mean, it's, it's a, there, there is a genre that is full to the brim. I guess the other thing is pick which, like, crime material you're looking at. Because I get frustrated with, and this is kind of a movie topic, but I get frustrated with crime movies where it's like a huge reveal and there's no way for the audience to ever solve it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I didn't have those 10 pieces of information. I didn't know that guy was his brother. How could I ever have known that? So I will say, like, if that's your source material, certainly don't design your game that way. Right. <laughs> you want to, uh, like, I'm thinking of how I've done it with, like, Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games where I've had a mystery. Like, I, I very clearly want to sketch in my head what clues I'm giving and have more than one, have alternate paths because you never know how a person's brain is going to work. And at least for me, like, when I designed my kind of mystery sessions in role-playing games and such, I would always design it with the intention that the players will eventually figure it out. Right. And I think that's probably... I mean, I don't know. I guess people want, like, games that are super challenging, so maybe you want to design a game where, like, you might not figure it out detective certainly did that but you know my preference is that even if it's tougher or takes a while like you are laying enough breadcrumbs so that you can reasonably expect any group to eventually at least get most of the picture if not all of it so that would be my kind of final advice yeah and that's exactly mine too and i said it before make sure that people don't get frustrated you don't want to lead them down too many dead ends roads that they don't care about the solution to the case anymore or they just get so frustrated they don't want to play the game anymore so make sure there are multiple paths or some kind of a hint system to get them at least back on the right track all right well that's our episode on chronicles of crime uh please go check out our uh, slack there should be a link in the episode notes to uh join it we're having awesome discussions over there um also check out our youtube page uh one stop uh, co-op shop probably when this episode is up my uh, five and five video should be up as well uh it's gonna be similar points but you at least get to like see the stuff in the game i'm talking about while we talk about it and yeah just uh, come and come and join us in any of our like little areas of discussion we'd love to see you there yeah, the Slack, I mean, it's amazing to me what kind of a community we have there. It's really cool. Multiple times a day, there are lots of discussions going on in the Slack. And there are people bringing up new games to us all the time there, too. So, I mean, if you want to get more detail on what we talk about the games, if you want to argue points with us head-to-head, we're there multiple times a day, as well as most of the people on the Slack, and it's a super friendly community. We've had really great experiences there, so I I did not expect the Slack to be as cool and as cool a resource as it is. It's my number one social media platform I go to, is to our Slack channel, and we talk all the time over there. Oh, me too, me too. I mean, it's a little bit of a, <laughs> a time sink now. Like, I feel like it's a little bit of a job sometimes to keep up with the Slack, but it's so much fun and it's such a great community over there. So to all our Slack listeners, thank you and we appreciate you. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And I think our next episode might be the year-end episode. So what are our top co-ops? So that's that's the other thing we're doing on the Slack is, you know, getting everybody's feedback over there on what their top new co-op to them is this year. So if you're not part of the Slack community and you don't want to join, that's fine. You can email it to us. You can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm going to put up a Reddit 
uh, poll again the way I did last time about, you know, what's everybody's favorite new co-op this year. And next time we're going to cover ours. Yeah, so come let us know what you think. And uh, good gaming, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-op Cast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop. And follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-op Cast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. So, uh, Peter, you want to start off with your number five for Chronicles of Crime? Well, just in case it is somebody's first time, we'll just go over quickly. Oh, do we we're need talking... to do that still? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to keep doing it. We're gonna keep it live. Forever? Like, we'll be like 500 episodes in? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, <laughs> All right, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Don't kill me, but it's the end. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. <laughs> you say that every time because they're all good. They're all awesome. No, I don't say it every time. When I don't say anything, that's when it was not a good one. <laughs>